It's Monday morning and a brand new week and we're both excited to be here. Isn't that right, Mo? Hmm. <laughs> Mo did not have a good night's sleep last night. Uh-uh. Mo is not ready for Monday morning. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Oh, coming up on today's show, we got a bit of a heavier topic. We're going to be discussing why there are so many mass shootings lately and recent years so we're gonna dive into that topic we're not really looking for a solid concrete answer just discussing things that have probably led to the rise of this so stay tuned for that plus latest news random facts and our weekly updates but we have got a few holidays to celebrate here on august 12th august 12th goodness happy day Start of school. It is the start town. of school for our town, our yeah. tiny town, and quite a few other. Yeah, I'm sure towns yeah, and several. So happy back to school day to all of our little listeners out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just called my 14 year old a little listener. So <laughs> have fun with that today, Topher. Uh, hey, today's also baseball fans day. Uh, are you a baseball fan? I love baseball. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind I love, of in my blood. I love baseball live. Like, as a live event, baseball is in my top three. I can agree with that. Watching it on, on TV, TV is the worst. Boring as heck. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, but what I don't understand is why it's August 12th that it's Baseball Fans Day. And we're not in baseball season. Right, yeah, there's no baseball going on, right? Didn't football just start? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, preseason know. games just started last week of football. I just don't understand it. I don't know. Not following where they're stepping here. Uh, it's also, hey, National Middle Child Day. Happy Middle Child Day, Cannon. See, there is a day set aside just for you. You are loved and appreciated. Your mom didn't know about it before this moment. But I know now. (laughs) And maybe we'll have what you want for dinner tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, it's also Vinyl Record Day. Mm. Got yourself any vinyl stashed away? Like I don't own any, but I do like the fact that it's coming back as a... Like a retro thing that a lot of people get. Like John and Hillary, they have a, a few. And they have a record player. Really? Yeah. And uh, I totally see them having a record player. <laughs> and I do remember working at the radio station. Um, when I worked there, they had moved to pretty much all digital already. But they still had this old studio that hadn't been used in years. It had two turntables in there. And it had they had like a wall full of records behind I'm like, you know, I bet this would net a pretty penny for some collectors. Matt was trying to figure out how he was going to fund <laughs> his, his Funko Pop addiction back then. Yeah. Gosh, I went a long time without buying any Funko Pops. Yeah? Like, nearly six months, I think. In that six months time, I bought one, and it was only because it was a convention one that would only be there for a couple weeks. Um, and then I sold... A set that has been retired for many... It came out with... It was the set that came out with Iron Man 3. Which, that's, I mean, like eight, eight, nine years old now. That movie itself. And so that set had long been retired. And nobody could buy them anymore. And there was one in that set that was 
particularly rare even when it was new. And so I sold that, which would have cost me roughly, what, uh, 50 bucks maybe for twice the price out of box. So they, they were in box. I could have gotten $300 for them, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the boxes anymore. But yeah, so I sold, so I got about a hundred bucks back. So I got to buy like six new pops and it was fun. That I it wanted. was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't done it in a while. It was nice. I know I do. That's like our go-to stocking stuffer now for all of us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Topher has quite a few sets. Like he has um, two different Harry Potter sets and he has New Day. All of them. Um, (laughs) Cannon is working on his Avengers set. And then I'm working on Friends. So I've got Mm. Monica Chandler, Joey, and Rachel. They just released the Office ones. And they started with six basic ones, but then they also released like 20 more goofy one-take ones of one scene, like Prison Mike and all these different things, all at one time. And there's so many people that just threw their hands up going, look, we wanted The Office, but could you please slow it down a bit so we can afford them? So now I know what I have to get Chris for Christmas. And I don't want those people hanging on my wall. (laughs) Mila's collection might be my favorite, though, because she's been working on the Disney princesses mm. from the get-go. And so she had... They're so cool. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that is sad, I'm one though, of those weird people. There's quite a few that she won't be able to get. Yeah. Unless they re-release them. Yeah. But they did re-release a bunch, didn't they? In, like, different poses within the last couple of years. Well, like, her Mulan one is a special edition of some kind. Yeah. But it's, like, the hairpiece that Mulan wears is made to look like it's diamonds. Ah. Yeah, so I think they came out at Hot Topic then. Super they sparkly. That, they do that diamond collection thing yeah. at Hot Topic every now and then. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about like the pops that I've sold. I had a... From that same movie, Iron Man 3, they released a Tony Stark without the helmet. So he had the Iron Man suit on. But no helmet, so it was his head. Uh-huh. Really? And, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, underneath <laughs> that helmet, there's, there's a, a head. dude there with a what? head. What? No uh, idea. That was a convention exclusive. I kept it for four years, and then I put it on eBay, sold it for nearly $400. Wow. And then I got the original three Power Rangers. They, they only came out with red, white, and pink. Uh, back when I first started collecting, they were like my fourth, fifth, and sixth pop that I ever owned. I kept the boxes and sold them uh, in a perfect window because several years later they decided, okay, we'll come out with all the other ones now, the other four. And then they paused for like half a year before they announced that they were going to re-release the original three in a new pose or Mm -hmm. whatever. And so there was a period of time where people thought, if I'm going to get all seven, I have to buy those original three. So I sold them each for $200 a piece. That's ridiculous. $600 off of three pops. (laughs) That's insane to me. And then I just bought the new ones in their cooler poses when they came out. (laughs) That is insane. Oh, man. Funko Pop. Hey, we're about to take a big detour real quick, but then I'll let you sponsor. Okay. Um. 
My kids have gotten into shoes recently. Like collecting shoes? So never go into journeys when the 19-year-old blonde glasses-wearing kid is there because he'll convince you to buy everything. Don't know how it's happened every single time we've gone, (laughs) but it has. But specifically Vans. Vans has released, like they release collector's vans that only they have a limited supply and once they're gone they're gone Mm -hmm. okay so i had never heard of this before and we go in and they've got harry potter vans okay and it's for each house they have slytherin and Mm. hufflepuff and did you buy every house no i did not okay (laughs) i did not we bought Slytherin and Ravenclaw because they were the two best. Okay. They actually look nice. Like Ravenclaw is a blue and gray check, and then Slytherin is like olive green and black, and it looks like snakeskin, so mm. it's super cool. But my kids are like, if I keep these really nice, then I can resell them for double the price. That's what the guy said. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, okay, you try and keep them really nice and let's see how this works. I know how y'all wear shoes. Yeah, the only way to do that is to not wear them. Put yeah. them in the box and leave them in your closet. Yeah. So we go in, right, and he gives me this big speech about these are limited edition. If you guys are really liking them, you you know, jump on them now because once we sell out of what we have. And even the Ravenclaw, we had to buy a size bigger. They, they were the ones Canon wanted. We had to buy buy a size bigger and I was like well at least it's a size bigger than a size smaller no big deal whatever the next week we go in just to look just to kill time before a movie and we're looking at the vans at a completely different it was the color block vans this time and he's like you know those are limited edition if you're really interested in them you might want to jump on them and I looked at him and I said no no you hooked me that way with the Harry Potter edition ones. You're not doing it to me again today. I am not giving you my money. Sorry. And he just looked at me and he's like, I thought you looked familiar. Yes. Yes, I did. I spent well over $100 in here just last week on two pair of shoes. You're not getting my money today. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, what's funny is all shoes are limited edition. It's true. It's true. <laughs> There's no shoe they're just going to keep making for the rest of time. <laughs> Shut up, Matt. I, I guess I have like that. It's like it's, like like it's ingrained in me uh, like a, I don't know, a collector's bone. Right. If I know that it's the only ones that are going to be there, I have to have it. It's like going to a car dealership. You know, this 99 Nissan here is limited edition. I ain't making any more of these. What? <laughs> I must own it. <laughs> right? Right? You know what else could be limited edition? Mm. Our radio show if people don't start. Yeah, that's true. And if you do like what we do here <laughs> on the Backrow Morning Show and Backrow Radio as a whole, please consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash backrowradio, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash backrowradio. Um, in our Facebook group, uh, Back Row Baptist Church, did you see Stephanie's uh, meme that she made mm-hmm. and added to my little uh, explanation about no. donations? No. <laughs> it was uh, that the meme of the little baby and the dog who are talking and then they look at the camera uh, at the end. And so it's talking back said, you know, if everybody in this group just gave $1 to Back Row Radio, they'd be funded for a long, long time. 
and the baby said, I know I wouldn't miss a dollar every month. Would you? And then they turn and look at the camera. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, so if you can help us out, even if it is for as little as $1 a month, uh, of course, we're not going to limit you there. You know, you want to give more, you get more, but... Uh, we would be extremely grateful. It would help us out. And you will get access, at the very least, to our exclusive Facebook group, The Scoop, uh, where you get kind of behind the scenes. You get to help us make some decisions and uh, a whole bunch of other fun stuff. But, you know, if we don't get some funds coming up soon, probably by the end of the year, we're going to have to be rethinking some of the ways we do things, whether that be... Stop buying a lot of music or, I don't know, you know, cutting back on hours. That's the one thing I really don't want to do, which is having to stop playing once we reach a certain amount of hours listened. Yeah, but then we also really don't want to be like those other radio stations out there that just play the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Classics definitely have their place here on Backward Radio, but we like to add the new stuff as well, especially the stuff that doesn't get as much mainstream uh, press as you know the typical genres of uh, Christian radio out there. So you know we we need your help. We are we are twenty four seven commercial free, which means we have no uh, sponsorship. Other than our amazing listeners. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com slash radio. Find out all the information and the incentives that you could get based on how much you donate. It is time for Christianese translations. Say what? <laughs> we have got uh, a handful of phrases that you might typically hear in your churches or other areas of Christian culture. And... Uh, then we also have what those phrases actually mean. So I'm going to read the phrase, common phrase that you hear, Christianese phrase, and Mo is going to translate that for us. All right. First up, I'm reading my Bible on my tablet. Which actually means I'm almost to the Chocolate River on Candy Crush. <laughs> I disciple a lot of people. Or I post a lot of Christian memes on Facebook. <laughs> And lastly, that's not my spiritual gift. Meaning, I'd rather eat glass. <laughs> this has been your Christianese translations. Uh, Oscar Mayer took to Twitter two weeks ago to share the news of their most recent in- innovation. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. Oh, it's worse than baloney. My baloney has the a first Oscar Mayer Ice Dog Sandwich. Created in honor of National Ice Cream Sandwich Day last week on August 2nd, the Ice Dog Sandwich was designed to taste like an Oscar Mayer hot dog in frozen form. Ew. (laughs) Two rectangular cookie buns hold together a layer of hot dog-infused sweet cream blended with real candied hot dog pieces and a layer of spicy Dijon-infused gelato. I blew snot out my nose. It was so gross. (laughs) That was nasty. Uh, yeah. And in a nice story to pair with that one, collaborating with Cool House Ice Cream, French's put out a French's mustard ice cream what? in L.A. and New York City last week. The sweet and savory limited edition ice cream arrived in time for National Mustard Day. The ice cream was available for six days in Culver City, uh, California, at a, location, or a local Cool House location. 
And uh, for three days, from a roaming ice cream truck in New York City, and the ice cream was served with a pretzel cookie. However, if you missed it, French's also developed an easy-to-make recipe for mustard ice cream that you can make at home, and you'll find that on their website. Why, guys? <laughs> Just why? Uh, coming up next hour, what is going on, America? But for now, it's Manic Monday, so we're going to kick it off a music break with three of our louder Christian hits. And we'll be back at the top of the hour. Stick around. It's time for a first world church problem from Back Row Baptist. Oh, I accidentally highlighted the wrong verse in my Bible. Or can you salvage it? I ruined it. I gotta buy a whole nother one and start over. This has been a first world church problem. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show here on the, I didn't say the name of the show. <clears throat> Again, at the beginning of the of the show, I didn't say it. I feel like I feel like I enter into it thinking I've said it already. I know our like intro music says it at the beginning. I don't know. Maybe that's it. But anyway, it's the second hour. We're glad to have you with us. Matt and Mo in the studio with you today on this Monday morning. And we're going to kick off this hour with five random facts. Five random facts. With Mo. Okay, the Cholima, a mythical winged horse, is the national animal of North Korea. I <laughs> was unaware that you could have a mythical, <laughs> mythical animal. national animal. <laughs> All right, North Korea. 82% of people would feel more confident approaching an attractive person if they had their dog with them. The survey found this to be true. I feel like that... Yeah, I feel like that's like an obvious thing. Like, I would feel much more comfortable coming up to someone I found too attractive if I could first focus on their dog. Hey, nice little doggy. Okay, so I'm reading it as... The person who doesn't feel comfortable would feel more comfortable if they had their dog with them. Oh. Not if the attractive person had a dog with you them. You know what? I think you're right. But still for the same like reason. Like their dog gives them confidence. Yeah. Well, I would say it would be for the same reason. Is that the focus is now off of you. They're going to be focusing on your dog. <laughs> sure. Unless they look at the dog and they're like, oh, what a cute. Whoa. <laughs> They say that owners and pets look a lot alike. They say that eventually you start looking like your pets. Uh, 
People who eat spicy foods tend to live longer, according to a 2015 study. So we need to bring back the pepper stepper challenge. Here pepper on the back stepper. Row. Woo. Gosh, that was awful. We almost died. <laughs> on we step never, two. And we, yeah, we never even got super hot. We got to the ghost pepper, or not ghost pepper, we got to the habanero. That's as hot as we got. So we've said this before, though. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, just go search us on YouTube. You'll find it there. But, like, I feel like we, I can't think of a better term, um, messed ourselves over by just taking a huge chunk out of the jalapeno. The jalapeno, yeah, that was like, bad. Eating yeah, the we'll whole have two thing. thirds of it. Just go right on up. Yeah, just take a big old bite, and that yeah. Which was my idea, and that was a bad idea. That oh, was man. a bad idea. Okay, I don't want to relive it anymore. High school students perform better on tests if they're in a classroom with a view of a green landscape. A research found. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I can remember just feeling more calm in the classroom in general if I could see outside. Yeah. I never understood why teachers that every classroom for the most part has a window, but you face the desks away from the window and towards the hallway. <laughs> like why don't you have your desk as the teacher facing the hallway, looking out in the hallway and all the other desks facing outside so we can see outside. <laughs> Just like when you're in prison, man. You got to look outside and think, one day I'll be on the other side of this glass. True story. (laughs) Got to have that hope. Yeah. Gosh. Um, And then the average single male in the UK changes his sheets just four times a year. Okay. That's disgusting. It is pretty gross. (laughs) I think the longest we've ever made it without changing our sheets is... We might have gone a full month once or twice, but that's got to be like the most. It's usually once a week. You change your sheets once a week? Typically. Good for y'all. How far do you go? (laughs) I don't want to talk about it now. We change our sheets five times a year. Thank you. That's the limit. (laughs) I mean, you go longer than a week and... You're just sitting in dirty sheets. I don't know any other euphemism to okay, use. Okay, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, I have such a problem with people who are germaphobes. Sorry for you out there. I just can't. And my husband is a germaphobe. So, yeah. sorry. But I, I really have difficulty with people like that because... Like, I could see Chris's argument being, but our sheets are dirty and we're just laying in all that filth and dirt and blah, blah, blah. No, no. It seeps into the mattress. (laughs) Unless we are going to replace our mattress on a regular basis, there's really no point in replacing our sheets all the time. I'm just saying. And you know it's true. Yeah. Oh, that's uh-huh. funny. Yeah. So, like all all these like theories about germs and this and that. Really, guys. We're all living in filth all the time. We really are. <laughs> we really are. So you sleep in a Just vacuum. Saying. All right. What happens when cookies are baked in space? I'm really interested in this. 
Will they puff into fluff balls or be dense, fudgy spheres? Some enterprising bakers are sending cookie dough into orbit to answer these questions and many more. And a truly interstellar marketing ploy, the recipe and funding is coming from Doubletree by Hilton. Uh, the company distributes more than 25 million Doubletree cookies to hotel guests every year. But will the cookies cook the same in space? A prototype oven and a batch of frozen cookie dough are ready to launch to the International Space Station later this year so astronauts can find out. I am very interested in too. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I feel like they would have to form into spheres of some kind, right? They couldn't cook flat. Right. Because of the gravity. But yeah, would they be... Dense and hard? Would they be fluffy and cakey? I'm hoping fluffy and cakey. Like, I'm hoping it's just this fluff ball of deliciousness. (laughs) But then I would also feel like they would change immediately. No? Do you not think that, like, once it landed, that it would change? Like the shape? No, not necessarily. But just the consistency. I guess we'll find out eventually. I don't know. I'm really interested. All right. Well, we are going to dive into a a deeper topic. Uh, there have been, well, I mean, you remember Columbine, right? I do. Yep. You remember the time that that happened and how that was all we talked about for mm-hmm. months is how this could have happened, how how these two kids, these two teenagers... Could have gotten to such a place where they thought this was their only option or this was something that needed to happen or something like that. And the nation, it happened in 99, if I'm correct, or 98. I want to say it was 98. Yeah, I think it was 98. Um, You know, the nation really rallied around them. Uh, People were afraid of that for several years. I remember uh, on the first first anniversary of it i think uh people in my school several parents kept their kids home because some stupid rumor had gone around that there was another disgruntled kid in our school and i remember uh it was also on the day of the school-wide talent show that we had at marshall and the day had come and gone and we sat there and everything was fine and uh, we were helping Chuck Tipton load up the speakers back into his van outside. And I remember my buddy Jeremy saw one of the rumored disgruntled kids on his bike over across the the pathway there. And he had reached down into one of like the cargo pockets in his jeans or his pants or whatever, his mm-hmm. black pants. And Jeremy took that as him reaching for a gun. Of course. Yeah. And he just left us. He just ran, <laughs> didn't say a word to anybody else. <laughs> just suddenly, Jeremy was gone. <laughs> and the kid wasn't reaching for anything, of course. But the fact that Jeremy's like, you're on your own. <laughs> Self-preservation. But that, that See spoke. you later, suckers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't got to run fast, just got to run faster than you. <laughs> but that spoke to the, the, the fear yeah. that that one event uh, really sparked in America and then since then, it has moved more and more to the point where it's so common. Whenever they happen, we talk about them for a couple days, and then it's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, last Saturday, when we were recording our shows for last week, 
two occurred while we were talking mm-hmm. for the most part, or within a couple hours anyway, close enough to where we wouldn't have been able to mention them on the show. Um, the one in Dayton, Ohio, and the one in El Paso, Texas. Uh, then, since then, there's been a knife attack that happened in Los Angeles in the middle of last week where four people were killed. And there were at least two more shooting attempts that appeared to be stopped in this last week before they began, including another one at a Walmart. Uh, and of course, in this in this whole debate of you know why this is happening, you know, guns have a role. It can't just be guns to blame for the rise, as rules for guns are stricter now than they've pretty much ever been. Uh, and while many want to blame politics, most of that is clearly just smear campaigns for and against. Yeah. Uh, so we really wanted to kind of examine how our culture has changed since Columbine and why, how possibly that those culture changes could have added to this uh, problem. And the first thing that we wanted to focus on was the Internet. Uh, so I feel like this might be the biggest one mm-hmm. in that, you know, since that time, even early around that time, the Internet wasn't such a huge thing for social right. aspecting, uh, the aspect of it anyway. I mean, YouTube didn't even start until 2006. Yeah. Uh, and Facebook, of course, came, oh, it was getting up there in 2006. Like, that was when the war between MySpace and Facebook started to happen, of which one was going to be the dominant social media platform. Yeah. I remember right when I exited the internet for a while, that's when that was starting to heat up. But uh, it wasn't really until MySpace that social media started to take off. Mm-hmm. And so before then... Oh, MySpace. <laughs> Sorry. They were so ugly. Every, I miss everybody's, MySpace. Everybody's page just turned into... Because they let you customize it far yes. too much. No, too much. I loved no, it. It was awful. Sorry, you go searching for your <laughs> your backdrops, your layouts. Anyway, the loud this music is not that's going to play as soon as you enter your page. You got your top nine friends, <laughs> and if you were super popular, you could change the layout to where it's like top fifteen friends. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So that was a, it. Was a weird time back then. Uh, Compared to now, when it came to the internet, because back then, internet was just kind of fringe fan stuff for teenagers mm-hmm. anyway. You went to pages for, you went to websites for your favorite bands or your favorite stories, your favorite authors, favorite whatever. You didn't go to one website where all of those people had their own pages, like Facebook, yeah. you know. I mean, I don't, I feel like most people who are searching for anything these days go to Facebook first. You know, for a business or a band or whatever, because that's where you're going to find the most recent updates. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking about that in, in regards to finding a church. When someone moves into a town, you know, you used to be searching for, you go to Google and say churches in this town and go to every individual website and whatever. Now you go to Facebook and you find their churches there. And if that church excites you, then maybe you'll join or we'll go to their website and mm-hmm. read a little deeper. But Facebook is typically the, the first impression. <sighs> and so back then you did not have the interaction that we have now. You didn't have it to the level of, uh, all that discussion. You had chat rooms. That was about it. And you couldn't really keep up with chat rooms enough you would argue with one person 
in between a thousand other people talking at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's as far as it ever got. There wasn't a place for you to put a manifesto. There wasn't a place for you to to uh, go on a Twitter diatribe of 15 tweets connected together about stuff. And so we got to this point, I think, as the Internet has slowly evolved into that and that we have made it into a a box where we can come and just let all of our internal emotions and thoughts out in the rawest possible way, knowing that it could be mostly anonymous mm-hmm. if we wanted to. And that has become sort of an echo chamber of anger and and hate. And, uh, of course, this comes from all sides. I mean, we saw with the two shootings from last week, one was an extremely right-wing, I guess, white supremacist almost uh, guy. And the other one was an extremely left-wing environmentalist, uh, Elizabeth Warren supporting uh, guy on that side. So, I mean, it's we can't just say it's, it's one side, one side or the other. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's got to be the feelings behind it. It's got to be the, the point that we get to where our hatred has become so inflamed that something terrible seems like a viable option, like it's going to fix something. And I don't know. Do you, I, I've always thought about this, and with every case that I hear, is do we think that these people are actually have actually convinced themselves that what they're doing is going to be good, what they're doing is going to have a serve a real purpose, or is it just a release of their anger and a vengeance type thing? And it's a it's something that we never really. I don't really think that that has to be an either or yeah. thing. I think that they work together. They coincide together. Their anger brings them to a place where they feel like they have to change something. They have to make something different. And the only way to make that different is drastic measures. Yeah. I, to be totally honest, because I feel at the core of it, someone who's not angry, who's not overridden with such hatred and animosity, can't follow through with something so huge. Yeah. You know, so devastating. I I don't know. There are those as someone who struggles with anger and I struggle with moments of rage where I don't see, I just react. Yeah. And that's something that I've really had as specifically as a mom, I've had to overcome and rein in, you know, <laughs> because my children can be put in harm's way. Um I cannot imagine going in to a public place and taking out my anger on people that I don't know. Right. People who are, by all sense of the terms, victims. They have no idea what's happening and what's about to happen. Yeah. You know, I, I can't imagine having that much anger inside of me that that's my answer. Yeah, and see, that again raises up the problem with the internet is that people who get to that point where they have that much anger, they can find several places online that just reinforces it. Absolutely. Or inflames it even more. Yeah. And so if, if you are someone that struggles with that kind of of uh, quickness to rage, quickness mm-hmm. to react instead of think, 
to be in that echo chamber of hearing everything that you've heard uh, or everything that you've thought thrown back at you again over and over again just hearing this this uh, compound in your mind this this anger and this need to react um paired with probably some self-deprecation self-esteem issues and things of that nature that come from uh arguing with people online who again when you're online and you're not face to face you get a lot more cruel a lot quicker yeah in online arguments yeah uh I can see, yeah, I can see how that would just do nothing but compound that rage and that anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, of course, we're not saying it's not these people's fault, of course, because you can avoid those places online and you can avoid arguments. Right. Uh, and so, I mean, it's them that are putting themselves on these websites, you know, Reddit or 8chan or anything like that that's out there that, uh, I mean, of course, that's not what... The entirety of those websites are for, but there are pockets of those websites. But it's also so easy to get sucked into, without even realizing it. It's so easy to get sucked in and overcome by, it's almost like a a rabbit hole, you know? Mm -hmm. You fall into one and you're just falling into another and another and another. And before you know it, you're so far in it, you don't know how to get out. Right. It becomes a part of you almost at that point. Yep. Um, Another reason that I'm thankful for Facebook's uh, mute feature. (laughs) It's my favorite feature. Because Facebook really was becoming like that for a while. Yeah. Where it was just a bunch of people arguing about the worst things in the world. Yeah. Like, I thought this was supposed to be social interaction uh, in a positive way. I don't want to interact with any of y'all anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's become for me. And and that's kind of what I meant by, without even knowing it, you're down mm-hmm. this rabbit hole of, seriously, all these people here are negative Nancys. Mm-hmm. They all hate their lives, and I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, so that's, that's uh, the first thing that we wanted to address was the internet thing. We have a few more... Uh, things that we'll talk about here in the next hour. But let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, We will have more reasons when we come back. But first, let's take a music break. It's Manic Monday. We're going to kick off uh, this next bit of music with three louder Christian hits, and we'll be back at the top of the hour. The Back Row Rap Block. Two hours of the best Christian rap and hip-hop from yesterday and today. Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Only on Back Row Radio.
Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show here on this Monday morning at the uh, tail end of the last hour. We started talking about the um, rise and prevalence of mass shootings in America and how, uh, well, as we stated last Saturday while we were recording last week's shows, we had the two events that happened, the two big events that happened last week in Dayton and in El Paso. And uh, then since then, there's been a knife attack and two thwarted, uh, two more thwarted uh, mass shooting attempts uh, just in this week's time. Since since now, this is where we're recording on Saturday again. And just mm-hmm. in, in this one week time, we've had five incidents, two of or three of which uh, brought casualties. And we're talking about why we think this is more prevalent now. Since 98 with Columbine, was, which was the first big one. It hadn't really, something like that really hadn't happened before. Something that tragic, that, that painful. And so since then, they have gotten more and more. I remember the Virginia Tech thing happened. Uh, I want to say it was almost 10 years ago now. The Virginia Tech shooting, but I remember that was Gosh, still was it really? that was still in the earlier days of these things becoming more and more prevalent, because that was a big thing when that happened too. But now we have these, and, and uh, they're happening. It feels like they're happening nearly once a month, yeah. You know, on average, and we're kind of becoming numb to them. And there's some reasons behind that too. I guess uh, we talked about the internet. And its prevalence of uh, the echo chamber of anger and hatred. Um, the other one, the next one that I want to bring up would be the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, back then, with uh, when Columbine happened, we didn't really have news channels. Like a channel devoted to nothing but news, where they yeah, had to CNN come up with something or... to talk about. Yeah, we had, we had news shows we had 60 minutes we had nightline we had stuff like that and those were the most prevalent news things besides from local news um but we didn't have like five channels that do nothing but report news 24 7 and thus have to have a lot of it have to have a lot to go through and so when it comes to a mass shooting on a 24-hour news cycle well, that becomes all we hear about on those channels mm-hmm. for a long period of time. They they uh, they pick apart every piece that they can, mm-hmm. and they give a lot of airtime to who the shooter was. Yeah, what was their motivation? Uh, did they have some sort of manifesto? Did they have some sort of um, reason behind it who's their family what how is their life it becomes a mini documentary on this person that it doesn't i wouldn't i wouldn't go far as to say it celebrates who this person was but it certainly does give that person infamy Mm -hmm. and so i could see how if someone was angry enough and knew that they were gonna do something that in the end would have them go out as well like typically that's what happens with mass shootings mm-hmm. is that the person ends with himself instead of being caught. Uh, and I could easily see how, if you're already in that damaged mindset, how that would be almost an incentive mm-hmm. to go through with it. 
going down in infamy that way. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that happens with the 24-hour news cycle is that it, it kind of trivializes them. It, it puts it in our mindset that this is almost a TV show. You know, it's an episode. Makes it un, unrealistic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, takes well, the reality yeah, away from it. It takes the... It, it becomes reality TV, in a sense. That's how real it becomes. <laughs> Which is not real at all. It's not real, Mo. I know you want to fight me on this, but reality TV is not real. Now's not the time or the place. <laughs> we can have this discussion another time. We gotta sprinkle some humor in, or it's gonna get too dark. Um, but yeah, this—it's uh, it like I said, it almost trivializes everything because it feels like a television show and yeah. not real life. Uh, and that's you know that's partially because as well you know downfall of newspapers downfall of traditional news downfall of local news lately since most people stream and they don't even get their local news anymore i I can't remember the last time i saw a local news program for our area maybe in a hotel in albuquerque i don't know that's about as close as i've gotten we don't even have local news on yeah i mean we have we have areas around us that cover clovis though like amarillo covers Clovis news if it's big enough if the story is big enough <laughs> but um beyond that we've got uh the rise in broken and non-standard homes to the point that it's becoming normal now of course that's always been a thing broken homes yeah. uh, have always been a thing but i think that we've gotten to the generation now where they were so prevalent that they've become normal. And it's to the point where we're almost celebrating non-standard homes, which, of course, we don't want to demonize non-standard homes. That's a different thing. But it's almost to the point where it feels like we're demonizing the traditional nuclear family, mm-hmm. the mother, the father, and the 2.3 children or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, you know, that's, that's almost boring in the mindset of today's culture, you know, we want the blended families and we want this and we want the single mothers and you know, all that. And again, nothing wrong with these as people, as people trying to live their life, but to the point where we don't see marriage as something that's unbreakable and it's become so normalized that we don't even seem to fight it anymore. And study after study has shown that kids who grow up in an environment without the steady mother and father tend to have many more emotional, social, and uh, learning problems uh, than those who do. And... It's a difficult subject to talk about because, of course, we don't want to be offensive. And that's another kind of uh, issue that's arisen with this is that it's offensive to say that a nuclear family would be better. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's hard to dance around this topic without being offensive. It is. Because I know that so many of our listeners very likely have not grown up in a nuclear family Mm -hmm. just because it's so normal now. I need you to step in before I put my foot in my mouth. 
So I don't think that you're necessarily putting your foot in your mouth because what you're speaking is is truth. Mm-hmm. And but here's the thing, and I I was gonna save it for the end to say this because you know that's how we do our topics. I you give all the stuff and then I wrap it up with my my viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But you're making me speak now, so I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> for me, a big the biggest change that I can see, and you're you're kind of talking about it as far as the nuclear family is concerned. Um, there, y- you know, the whole saying, it takes a village, mm-hmm. takes a village to raise a child. And so many people will have been offended by that saying because they, you know, it's my child, n- not necessarily the beliefs that you hold. I don't want you enforcing on my child. I don't want the village helping raise my child. But when we were in school, that was still very much the mindset. I can remember having my friend's parents instilling into my life, you know, taking that time to to speak truths into my life. It wasn't just my mom and my dad. Yeah. My teachers took time to invest into my life. When Columbine happened, I was it happened in 99. I looked it up. So it was, okay, it was yeah. April of 99. Um and I was in middle school that year and I can remember just days after People within my middle school made bomb threats, you know, called in and made bomb threats Mine to the too. school. Yeah. Thinking, you know, just trying to piggyback off of Columbine, thinking mm-hmm. that it was funny, thinking that it was a joke. We'd get a day off school. We'd get a like day that. out of school. I can remember our principal coming over the intercom and just nailing into us through the intercom, every single one of us, about how it's not funny about how it's not a joke. People's lives matter. You know, these are not things to be taken lightly. That's not something that's going to happen today. In the society that we live in, in the culture that we've created, because we've taken that power as parents, we've taken that power away from teachers and principals and administrators. We don't want anybody else yelling at our kids. We don't want anybody else telling our kids that what they're doing is wrong. That's our job as parents. Mm. And that, for me, is part of the issue. There isn't anyone stepping up and being honest, hurtfully honest, to people who need to hear it. I'm not saying that we go around and we just get in people's face and we say, you're wrong. But I am saying that when it's necessary... You speak the truth to somebody. Yeah. One of those shootings that was didn't end up happening was because the boy's grandmother stepped in and said, yeah, turned right. him into the yeah. police and said, you're not doing this. This is not happening. What would have happened if she had not been bold enough to do that? You know, there would have been more casualties. More people would have been mourning the loss of people that they love because She knew something, but she wasn't going to step in. It wasn't her place. And I think that has also come with the rise of social media. Um, We can be bold and we can be confrontational through a screen. But when it comes to being bold and confrontational to a person, we kind of cower down and we don't know what to do anymore. Um, And for me, I feel like that's where the lack is. That's where the line has been drawn and... And why it is so much on the rise. Because so many people have have lost that sense of um, being responsible to their brother. Holding each other accountable. But also, 
if I know something, if I feel something in my heart and I do nothing about it, I'm now responsible. Yeah. And so many people have lost that sense of responsibility. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, and it's having me think of, you know, why we've gotten to that place, too. And I think it might be the rise of the idea that we live our own truths. Yeah. You know, and so part of that's got to be the morality. You know, our family lives by this morality or he's developing his own sense of morality. Mm -hmm. So you can't impose what you think is right or wrong Mm -hmm. on them. So we do box ourselves in. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's really strange. It's really strange to me that in our culture that back in the time of the Columbine thing, it was more uh, Christians and conservatives that were the ones that were picketing things and and saying, you know, conform to our ideas. Yeah. And we were getting, you know, picked on for being, you know, the closed-minded and the weirdest. And that's kind of switched Mm -hmm. in that it's picketing... It's more picketing of don't inbox inbox us in any of these ideas. Yeah. Let us believe our own thing or do our own thing. Picketing against. Yeah. Picketing against conformity. Yeah. And yet we're still the ones that are labeled, you know, the the closed-minded and the never when it almost seems to be we're more in favor of science things and we're more in favor of looking at facts and, and trends and... And uh, how all these things impact our society and us as people. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'm not I'm not trying to label Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, or anything. I'm just trying to em- envision the culture and how it's changed. Um, another part, another thing that's really arisen in the last uh, couple decades is the use of psychiatric drugs on children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been tabulated that I, I don't have the exact numbers but it's been far above half it's been most of the people that have committed mass shootings since columbine uh have been on psychiatric drugs now we're not saying that the drugs themselves are what's caused it but put into the mix of the the, the hatred echo chamber box of the internet the 24-hour news cycle the broken family situations and and all the emotions lack that go along with that. Lack of accountability. Lack of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that is a big thing. And uh, you mentioned that, and I, hadn't, and I hadn't even put that as one of the things, but that is such a big thing. Uh, like those of us who are in churches even struggle with community nowadays mm-hmm. when that's all a church is supposed to be. It's supposed yeah. to be a community of us like-minded people who have basically the same morality and basically the same ideas. And even we still tend to be the whole, oh, don't talk to my kid or don't discipline my kid or tell my kid to get down off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> like that, I'll do that. Yeah. That's very strange. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and then the last thing I think, and this is something that I think has risen just in the last five years or so, is that we, uh, with the Netflix and the streaming, the Hulu and all that, We've started making a lot of documentaries and podcasts and all this focused around killers. And while they're extremely entertaining, it's also producing that that same level of infamy uh, around this idea is that if you're a bad enough killer, 
you will live on forever. Yeah. We're, we're almost idolizing these things, making them into pseudo celebrities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because there's so many of them, we're getting uh, people who are less and less famous. You know, they used to be all you'd ever hear about is stuff like this was like Charles Manchin, uh, OJ Simpson, stuff like that. Uh, but now it's, here's a story you've never heard of about this guy and we'll give him infamy now. And so, yeah, it's more accessible to see those documentaries because I, I have found that like you can find some documentaries from the eighties, the late seventies on, you know, some. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. They they existed too back then. Right. But it was, you knew about it. Exactly. You had to seek it out. And then on top of that, you were. Like, you know, you had to go to Blockbuster to rent the video and you're that weird person who's running a serial killer VHS, you know. Life of Charles Manson. You're yeah. Like, okay. Whereas, again, that's a lack that, that, a lack of community accountability. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you may be accountable to the person, the 14-year-old behind the Blockbuster counter, but you're still accountable to somebody, you know. But now you just turn on Netflix and there's a whole sub channel in netflix of documentaries about serial killers you watch one crime documentary and then they're like here's 17 more that you might like exactly yeah exactly i'm (laughs) i've fallen into that hole a couple of times (laughs) but when i'm on my netflix channel the only person that i have i'm accountable to is my husband and he already knows that i have a thing for watching those videos (laughs) he knows that i'm a weird person yeah Gross human beings. Uh, no, I'm kidding. True story. <laughs> well, <laughs> in all the ways that you are gross, he's probably the one that knows about them before anybody else. But yeah. <laughs> but if that's the case, and he's my only accountability, then I'm, I, and I'm on the verge of, you know, a crime like that. Then I just have to steer clear of my family, so to speak. That becomes my mindset. As long as I'm not harming anyone who I love, mm-hmm. then I'm okay. Whereas, because I'm still drilling in my whole lack of community, lack of accountability idea. Um, if I'm not accountable to anyone else, when you have a relationship with someone, it makes it harder to harm them. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that it never happens because we all know that it does, but it makes it harder. Yeah. These kind of terroristic crimes don't necessarily happen to people that they know, right. to people that they have relationships with and they've invested in. I can only imagine what would have happened had a few people gathered around some of these who, who felt like this was their only option and really loved on them. Mm-hmm. People outside of their home, people outside of their family, when we had um, a teen suicide, I guess a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I was really drilling into some close friends. You know, it's one thing for you to have a relationship with your teenage child, but it's another thing for you to have a relationship with my teenage child, for me to have a relationship with your teenage child, because they're not going to tell you everything that they're going through, but they might tell me, you know, and when they're responsible and accountable to someone else outside of the home and they know that someone loves and cares about them enough to invest in their life it's going to make all the difference and I feel it's the same with these shooters with these mass shooters if someone would just step in and truly tell them how much they are valued how much they are appreciated 
some of these decisions wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Even if it's like the grandma who said, uh-uh, homeboy, you can go to prison and spend some time there because you're not about to take the lives of other people. Yeah. That's part of it. And that might turn out to be the best thing for that yeah. kid, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a very big part of it uh, that I hadn't even considered in my list, like I said. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a tough situation, and there's no real, I mean, I just, I don't foresee any, anything that's currently being proposed as a fix to this. Yeah. Doing anything to help. Yeah. Because again, like we said, one of these was, one of these uh, incidents that happened this week, four people were killed, four strangers were killed in public by a guy with a knife. Yeah. So take guns away, that's not going to stop. No. I mean, yeah. And the UK has done that same thing because they were having a lot of uh, knife uh, incidents going yeah. on somewhere in the UK. And so they tried to ban knives. I'm like, well, it's not it's not the knives. It's the people that want to kill other people. If yeah. it's not going to be knives, it's going to be something else. Yeah. They got to fork someone to death. They're going to do it if that's what they really want to do. Yeah. And it's just... Uh, it's sad to see that the only reactions we're having are, well, we better turn off video games and we better uh, confiscate guns as the only responses. Yeah. What about loving people? I know. <laughs> what, about, what about getting our own houses in order? What about stop? Uh, what about encouraging our children to stop being uh, online bullies and hating everybody who's different from them? What Let's about us ourselves? That. Stop being online. Yeah, bullies? for real. One of the just... one of the best decisions I think I've ever made was to stop arguing with people on the internet. And there are still times when I get in, inflamed by something that I see and I start typing something out. But even if I finish this whole diatribe of a response, ninety nine point nine percent of the time I delete the whole thing yeah. and don't respond because. The more we let ourselves argue and, and uh, fight with other people, especially online when we have no filter anymore, mm -hmm. the quicker we start to see that that immediate hatred response in ourselves yeah. uh, to anything that we dislike. Yeah. And again, that's why I'm so grateful for the uh, unfollow button on uh, Facebook because we can still be friends. But I don't want to see what you're posting yeah. because it's just all inflammatory rhetoric these yeah. days. And let's just stop being so sensitive. Stop treating each other like we're the enemy all the time, especially in politics and stuff. Remember when we used to just have different ideas, but we still were nice to each other? I remember that kind of happening before. I, re <laughs> I remember us just not talking about it. You you find out where your friends stood on the po political side, and if you disagreed, then okay, we're done. We're not talking about it. That's fine. You can believe what you believe. I'll believe what I believe. But that friends. doesn't change our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're of the devil and you're going to hell, and it's my duty to tell you of all the ways that you're going to burn. Right. That I remember... Um... It was a couple of years after I was out of youth group, my former youth leader, he was only the youth leader, I think, for the last year that I was in youth group. But him and I had a discussion because I was leaning like Republican uh, in in college and he was he was a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And 
we both had very uh, Christian reasons for our, our choices. It just interpreted in different ways. Yeah. And we actually, he brought it up. He brought up a conversation, you know, about, you know, why, why, why do you consider yourself Republican? And we had a very nice discussion and both of us kind of landed uh, on the exact same ideas. We really shouldn't be so focused on either one of these. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no political party really has uh, God's interested hearts anymore. <laughs> we should focus on uh, the individual people mm-hmm. that uh, we are considering voting for and stuff like that. But but uh, we shouldn't do a party line situation anymore because God's not really a part of it. Yeah, and that's become I. Yeah, that's become the identity of most people nowadays. Yeah, as far as I know, political leanings. When God wrote my name in in the Book of Life, it wasn't <laughs> Megan Oaks, registered Republican. <laughs> you know, but that's not. And each every four years, yeah. he's not updating it with voted for. It, Says she's a Republican, but she voted for yeah. Obama. That's not no. how. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know if she voted for Obama or not. <laughs> I wasn't voting at that time. <laughs> Protest. <laughs> Which I know there's some people out there right now that are like, she's part of the reason. You didn't vote. You don't get to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh. It's just such a. It's such a whole mess. It's just a mess. America, we're a mess. We are a mess. Can we get our act together, please? We are a mess. But I think it takes more people like us saying, you know what? We're a mess. You're a mess. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. But let's do this mess together. Can we all agree that none of us are right about everything? Yeah. be nice. And that's okay. (laughs) It's okay to not know the right answer to everything. Yeah. And to work together towards the right answer. I think if I can challenge our listeners this week, though, I'm really going to challenge them to, one, when they feel that inkling to judge somebody, don't. Take yourself out of that judgmental mindset. Take a step back. I had a friend the other day who posted about how the moms at her her daughter's gymnastics, like her daughter's gym, are always on their social media and they're not watching their kids. And what kind of mom are you? And it just kind of broke my heart for a minute because she herself is a mom and she's judging other moms. And you're only seeing an hour out of the week for what this mom is. And you're making a snap judgment of what kind of mom she is by this one hour, mm-hmm. one day a week. Don't be that person. Instead, take a step back, look at them. Maybe do the hard thing. And try to be understanding, regardless of what the situation is. Be understanding of where that person is and why they're making the decisions that they're making. And then do the even harder thing and choose to love them. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that anywhere in the Bible, Jesus tells us to do the easy thing. Every time we're commanded to do the harder thing, what goes against our nature. And so if if we're doing that, if we're constantly doing the harder thing, constantly going against our sinful nature, then I think we're making steps towards the people that God called us to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've we've thrown out the idea of not judging someone, not judging a book by the cover. Yeah. And in, in exchange for judging the book just by the title. 
the most the most prominent thing that we see about someone in a brief second becomes everything we need to know about them to make a judgment on their life. Yep. And that idea seems to be so embraced probably subconsciously by most people, but it's so common that that that's how we react these days. Yeah. And it's crazy <laughs> because it has no value. It has really no validity because if you're living in that mindset, then, then what Sally thinks of me is going to be totally different of what John thinks of me, mm-hmm. you know, what Sally saw of me at the Awana Derby screaming at a group of <laughs> preschool kids is going to be completely different than what John saw when I was volunteering in my kid's first grade classroom mm-hmm. and brought cupcakes that were homemade <laughs> and perfectly iced, you know, but you can't take one snippet of a person and uh, that becomes, yeah their identity in your opinion Mm -hmm. in your eyes and i think that also becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point is if someone is judged wrongly so many times based on nothing but their immediate appearance Mm -hmm. that almost becomes who they do become oh yeah if someone uh and i think that's one thing that happened a lot in the early days of the high school shootings is that yeah people were people were people who the guys that dressed a little more darkly or whatever were automatically assumed to be you wear a trench coat trench coat you're carrying a gun under there right yeah and uh, i remember a specific i think we've talked about this before but i remember a specific situation back when i was in 10th grade i dressed like a skater punk i didn't i wasn't a skater uh per se but i liked the way that looked it was fun uh so you know i had the weird big gross baggy pants and uh, ironic t-shirt and the spiky hair and the dog ball chain necklace, mm-hmm. the whole, the whole gambit. Uh, but I was still a, I mean, I was a believer. I was a normal kid. I did great. I had great, uh, attendance. I had great grades. I had great everything in school. And I remember we had a substitute teacher come into my history class and he, he, uh, he was standoffish of me, uh, weird, but I participated in the class and I was very polite and all this. And he pulled me aside at the end of class and I didn't know why I was being pulled aside because I didn't really pick up on him being, uh, judging me one way or the other. But he pulled me aside to apologize to me for saying that, you know, when I first came into this class, I saw you and I thought, uh, certain things about you based on your appearance. And that was wrong of me. And, uh, and I'm very sorry about that. And you went on to explain, you know, why I proved that wrong. And um, that, even though I wasn't really offended by it, because, uh, again, I didn't even know it was happening. And had he right. never said anything, I wouldn't have ever thought twice. Uh, even though that didn't hurt me before, the apology from him has stuck with me for my whole life of that idea of this is why you don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you never really know who's behind whatever facade they're putting up. Right. Uh, and for me, again, that wasn't a facade I was wearing for uh, wanting to give off a certain personality or a thought about me. I just thought it was fun. It was fun to wear something different. I had dressed as a normal kid for all my life and even a preppy kid for several years. I'm like, this is cool. I like the way this stuff looks. Let's have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I remember Skillet dresses like this at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's have some fun. Uh, that's all it really was. And, yeah, that the whole idea of not judging teenagers like that, that's becoming even more and more separated now. And that you're constantly judged for everything. Everything. No matter what age you're at. And... And it's even worse than it was when we were kids because mm-hmm. because of social media. Yeah. Because you could you go home. Because now you can be openly judged and mocked. Yeah, with... you could go home and get away from the judgment that happened the eight hours that you were at school. Mm-hmm. You know? And I feel like it's just, it, I don't want to say it's a rite of passage, but it happens to every sure. every teenager for one, one thing or another. You get judged, you get picked on for one thing or another. So to me, it's always been a matter of, not necessarily judging the book by the cover that I, you know, that's not necessarily the bad thing. Sure, it's not good. But then how do you respond to that? Mm-hmm. Is, you know, that's where the challenge is. How do you respond to how you're being bullied? How do you respond by the snap judgment that you're making about someone? You and I would have been best friends in high school because I purposely sought out people who were a little bit different, who did not fit into my preppy crowd and i became friends with those people yeah which was total. that's what i got picked on for why are you friends with them mm-hmm. why are you you know you have us to be friends with <laughs> yeah i have you to be friends with but i want to be friends with everybody why can't i be friends with we're the upper crusts <laughs> well i'm looking for the filling <laughs> i i kind of want the peanut butter and jelly i gotta tell you but kids now have just such a harder mm-hmm. harder time because I can remember going home and my mom knew that I was having a hard week and there was encouraging words or a card or a candy bar or balloons, whatever, in my room. And I could get away from it. Yeah. That was my safety net. Kids now don't have that option to get away from it Mm -hmm. unless their parents are truly being present in their lives, which is difficult. Mm -hmm. They don't have that option of getting away from it because it's on social media, it's on Snapchat, it's on Instagram, it's on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, even if you are in their lives, it's it's nearly impossible now to have access to everything that they have access to. Yeah. And to there are apps everything. that I don't even know about that they have. That mm-hmm. I'm. Well, wait a minute. Hold up. Which is why I'm grateful for this uh, newsletter called the Culture Translator. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you follow that or not, but mm-hmm. it it. It's a weekly thing, and right now it doesn't have that big of an effect. I'm mainly subscribing to it for content for the show. Uh, but I can see how this would be very beneficial for me when my kid's a teenager because yeah. it tells you about the popular apps, popular things that are trending, and why they're trending, and why and how you need to be aware and prepared for it as a, a mm. parent. It's very interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, it's I, say, I realize I say that a lot now. It's bugging me. But yeah. But yeah. That's but yeah, how I jump that's into your it. transitional saying. I hate it. I hate it. It's starting <laughs> to really make me upset. And now everybody else is going to be aware of it too. Because I said Because you said it. Way to go, me. <laughs> <sighs> um, I think this discussion went really well. Yeah, I mean, we still, we still, as typical, we were all over the place. But I don't think we said anything wrong. I think everything that we said is, is, is definitely something that, to a degree, to one degree or another... Uh, has an effect on why this is becoming so prevalent and why we're getting so numb to them. Yeah. And hopefully we can one day reach a place where 
we can at least start attacking more problems that are leading to it instead of focusing on the the singular issue that's always just politicized to death every single time this happens. And uh, also, like you said, start having more empathy with each other. Mm -hmm. Instead of just always assuming the worst about other people, just realize we're all in this thing together. We can all be friendly. Mm -hmm. We can all reach a place of, of, of positivity, but we all have to be involved in that. Yeah. We all have to want that goal. Uh, I mean, to a lesser degree with social media and stuff like that, to a lesser degree, a lot of people have the same mindset as a mass shooter. Mass shooter is wanting to cause chaos in real life with real people. But on a very smaller degree, if that's all you're doing online is mm-hmm. wanting to get online and cause chaos and spread hatred and pain, that's the same mindset. Just, Absolutely. Yeah, it's just you're not wanting to take a life at the end of it. You're a social media terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's speak truth and let's be honest <laughs> and let's call it what it is because maybe if we do that, it'll seep into the heart of somebody yeah. and prick them where it needs to be pricked. Let's just have fun, y'all. So I, I want to say I saw a little cartoon meme the other day that I honestly forgot about until just now. Okay. And I think it speaks volumes. And it's just a little cartoon thing, but it said how to change the world. Okay. And it had two groups of people. And you can see on the faces of the people that they're angry and they're just, you know, nobody's smiling. Nobody's happy. Everybody's just kind of downtrodden, if you will. But then there's this one person in the center that's colored yellow and he's happy okay and in the next little scene he's touching the one person he slowly gives some of his yellow to that person the smile appears on that person then on on the other side he does the same touches a person okay there's no cartoon bubbles there's no conversation happening it's all just pictures and then over the extent of the cartoon by the end of it both people or both groups of people have become yellow and that's all that it takes everybody's searching for how do we change the world how do we make a big difference how do we stop these things it starts with you it starts with just one person making the difference not being negative not being angry not giving into those feelings of hatred and judgment but instead just sharing kindness with someone that's all that it takes is one moment of sharing kindness and sharing love and changing one person's day and then that person goes on to change someone else's and it's just like a domino effect if just one of us starts then it's going to have a huge effect on on society as a whole Mm -hmm. and in that mindset i think there are a lot of things that are happening out there that have that as the goal that accidentally become what they're trying to fight like there was a campaign i believe called uh stop hate or f hate or something like that that happened and if the true idea was to stop hatred they missed the mark because all they were doing was inciting hatred against other people mm -hmm. yeah instead it's like don't instead it became a don't hate us yeah hate them yeah situation And unfortunately, I feel like that's where we're at with a lot of this stuff is that we're fighting hate with hate instead of 
with love. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's exactly the thing that God said that we need pretty much in everything that we do. Yeah. And so if, uh, especially of those of us as Christians, we need to start focusing more on loving others and not dragging them down. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's looking for those random acts of kindness, you know, taping mm-hmm. money to a red box machine or a vending machine, you know, and mm-hmm. giving something to someone who they, we don't need a huge right. show. Yeah. All that's required, all that's necessary is just having a conversation with the person that's in front of you at the checkout line yeah. or the person that's behind you. Absolutely. Helping the mom with the kid who's throwing the temper tantrum. That's all that you have to do. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on just a little bit uh, before we close out the show today. We've got our radio update. Today is Monday. Monday is our new music day. And so today you're going to hear more stuff from Building 429. Uh, Rachel Lampa has come out with her first song in, I think, a decade. Uh, and her, she released her first album, I believe it was, uh, 19 years ago, um, last week when she was 15 and she went on tour and then immediately had to quit music for a few years because it was far too much for a 15 year old to handle. Uh, but yeah, she released her first song in a long, long time. And so uh, you're almost certainly going to hear that on the station. Uh, And then we've got Sunship, our friends, Sunship, who are very recovery-focused musical artists, but they're a fantastic talent. They have released their second album, Off the Pink Cloud. Uh, And I'm fairly certain, based on what I've heard already, that you're going to hear most of that album on our station at some point. Nice. Uh, It's really good. Really good stuff. Uh, Also, we got, uh, we, we alluded to this last week, hoping that it would be the case, and it is iTunes, once again, has uh, the podcast version of our morning show uh, loading up on their servers. Uh, it had stopped after we had our, our kerfuffle with our former podcast hosting situation. But uh, we're all good. We're up on iTunes. We're up on Spotify. We're up on YouTube and Podbean. You can find us there. Uh, Podbean is also where you can find the RSS feed. and You can drop that to any of your favorite podcast aggregators out there. Uh, but yes, we're in the big, we're in the big three, so we're ready to go. Uh, and then lastly, we've been doing our back row reacts videos. Um, I released two of them last week. We probably won't do more than one a week uh, while we're doing this, as long as we consider it a worthwhile venture moving forward. Uh, but last week, I reacted to Skillet's legendary music video, and then we did a fun thing, which I think might be something that we do most often is that we went back to some 90s videos. And last week I looked at three videos from DC Talk uh, from their last three albums and saw how well they've aged. And uh, some of them aged well, some of them most definitely did not. Uh, It was very entertaining, it was a fun thing. And uh, we're gonna try and do that with Mo this next week. What? uh, With some, some 90s Christian rap. That's going to be fun. I did not agree to this. <laughs> Just so kidding. look for that. Uh, probably dropping on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be fun. So stick around. We'll be back soon to close out the show.
You wouldn't walk into an ice cream shop and order three scoops of plain old vanilla, would you? Then why would you listen to a playlist or a radio station that plays songs that all sound the same? You don't limit your taste buds. Why limit your earbuds? Back Row Radio. Christian music in every flavor. Try it all. Back to the Back Row Morning Show. As we close out the show for today, we got your Bible verse and thought. Bible verse for the day is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And our thought for the day comes from Ravi Zacharias. When you don't start the day with God, you will start to see God through the eyes of the world instead of seeing the world through the eyes of God. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're here every Monday through Thursday, 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific, with an encore at 10 Eastern and 7 Pacific. Podcasts available on BackRowRadio.com in the afternoons. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and Podbean. And guys, we really want you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BackRowRadio. And join our laughter-inducing Facebook community at BackRow Baptist Church by going to BRBChurch.com. We are almost at 4,000 members. You know, I I say <laughs> that last part because it's written in my script. But I, like, say it with an acidic taste in my We're mouth because I don't fast. really mean it. Don't join. Our, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we do need to get some more moderators. Uh, talking, yeah. Yeah. We're talking to a couple people. Who are so. are, we're interviewing people? Talking to. We're interviewing, interviewing moder- moderators. Talking, talking to. Want to make sure they got the same ideas that we do, you know. And I mean, got to vet them. Vetting process. It's responsible, though. Yeah, I guess so. Can't just throw that power to anybody. A true story. <laughs> true story. There are some people on there who I would have been like, yeah, you're a shoe in. And now I'm like, oh, no. I was wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's it for the show. Mo, what's the final word? Judge not, my friends. <laughs> that's it for today's show. If you need us, we'll be in the back. Bye.